0: Hello, all you happy innovators out there. How you doing? You hanging in there? Today, I want to continue my discussion about fame, or anything but fame. Uh, And I think I left off in the last fame episode talking about Slow Bob and how we had recorded our CD And how um, we were touring a little bit and we were playing some good shows and getting good press and all those things. So I'll pick up right where I left off. And basically, we continued that way for a while. We did that for maybe about one or two years, solid, of just playing shows selling as many of the CDs as we could. We started to sell more merchandise like T-shirts and stickers and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Totally DIY operation. I mean, everything was done by us in-house. And uh, one night we were playing a show at a place called the Euclid Tavern in Cleveland. And it was a pretty hot club at the time. Um, it was a stopping point, you know, for any bands that were um, on the underground that were com- you know, that were touring nationally. Uh, they would play the Euclid Tavern usually. Uh, bands like Soul Coughing, uh, uh, you know, Season to Risk, uh, Bark Market. I mean, the-, the list is long. I mean, I could talk about it all day long, so I won't. But it was a really cool place to play. It was smaller and uh, it was a bar pretty much and I don't know if it was because it was so small that the crowds always seemed to be pretty big (laughs) you know, wasn't that much space to fill up but uh, I don't remember playing a show there that wasn't like crowded and I don't remember going to a show there that wasn't crowded it was a really hot spot it was on the campus of the Cleveland Institute of Art And uh, it was, like I said, it was like a a main stopping point, you know, on your tour uh, for bands that were coming through. And so Slow Bob was playing a show there one night. I believe it was with Bark Market. I think we were opening for them at the Euclid Tavern. And there was a guy there um, that was talking to my guitar player that I noticed, And, um, I wasn't quite sure who the guy was, but he was a, obviously a friend of my guitar players. So they were talking, whatever. And I think we were loading out and getting ready to leave. The, the, The evening was winding down. And, uh, later that night at my place, I had an after party and, uh, you know, a lot of the people from our circle would come to the, come to the party and, you know, hang out until sunrise, you know? And, um. Uh, this guy, uh, it turns out that was talking to my guitar player was the lead singer of that band screw tractor that I had mentioned earlier. Okay. The band that had signed a record deal with MCA. Well, he was at the show that night and somehow he got invited to my place. So he came along with everybody that was at the after party and him and I wound up talking now, you know, for many, many years, There were a handful of people in my circle that were telling me I should be hooking up with him because him and I liked the same kind of music. And Brenda, that friend of mine that I mentioned a couple episodes back, was one of those people. She was always telling me every once in a while that I should be jamming with this guy who will, for now, remain nameless because, one... I don't have permission to say his name. Two, because the band I'm talking about that he's in is still active. So, I'm going to respect their privacy as much as I can while still telling the story. So, for now, I'll refer to him as Mort. Okay. So, like I said, this friend of mine, Brenda, was always kind of telling me, hey, you and Mort should be, you know, jamming together. And so... When he came to my party after that gig, you know, him and I wound up talking and, you know, Brenda was right and all those other people were right. We, we hit it off pretty good and we had a lot of the same uh, influences. Uh, we had a lot of the same CDs in our collection. You know, we, we were probably two of the only musicians in Cleveland that really liked the kind of music that we liked and you know by saying that what i mean is bands that were like um you know echo and the bunny men we both liked the young gods we both liked you know the sisters of mercy and we both liked spiritualized and we both liked the mission uk you know um we we came from the same kind of place musically and uh So, you know, throughout the course of this conversation that night, you know, he kind of had floated the idea of us getting together and jamming, you know, and uh, and I was interested. I was definitely interested. I knew that his band that he'd been in before had signed a deal to MCA. So he was a serious player. Um, It wasn't a joke to him. And nor was it to me, I mean, we were very serious about it. I mean, when you're at the age of you know, 25 or older and you're still doing the music thing, you have to be serious about it. You know, what happens is just by, one by one, musicians that you knew when you were younger start dropping off and start going into reality, you know, and living a life and leaving the music thing behind and, or whatever. and. Um, what happens over time naturally is that that crowd of people that pool of people that you can select bandmates from naturally just starts to get smaller and smaller and smaller but what happens I think at the same time is that the quality of those players the guys who really stay with what they're doing and they don't change their mind and they don't give up are the ones who are usually better anyway so even though that pool of musicians to draw from in your city becomes smaller, the quality of musicianship is actually better. So, you know, I didn't agree to come down and jam with him right away because I was still in Slow Bob and you know there was still a lot of uh, afterglow from the whole, you know, drumming for integrity thing and um, I I was dealing with enough of that already. I didn't want any more okay now right around the same time uh, a very important and significant event took place Um, okay I, I told you that I talked to Mort the singer And, you know, he wanted me to come down and jam with him. Now, not too long after that, okay, um, the guys in Slow Bob, myself, and my cousin, we all decided that we were going to go on a vacation together, okay? And what we did was we rented a house in North Carolina right on the beach, and it was massive, okay? And everybody kind of like pitched in. We got the house. And we all went down to North Carolina to spend a week at this house. Okay. Now, also a very important part of this story. Okay. (laughs) It doesn't seem like much, but this is my story. So it is important to me. Um, There's a group called the Tea Party. Okay, I was a fan of the Tea Party already. They're from Canada. Um, I believe they're from Windsor, Ontario, actually, where Slow Bob had been spending quite a bit of time. And, you know, I had been turned on to this band and they were phenomenal. I mean, I thought they were just phenomenal. And I was a huge fan of them. The guys in Slow Bob hated them. okay, but I really liked their music. And right before that vacation, they released an album called Transmission, okay? The Tea Party Transmission. And that album changed everything for me. And I'll tell you more about that in a later Snowflake episode, I'm sure. But for now, it's important that you know. I'm going on this vacation with all these folks, okay? And I'm also bringing this CD with me, and it's brand new, and I've, you know, I've listened to it a couple times, and I'm just enamored with what I've heard. And also, at the same time, I'm also going on vacation with this knowledge that this singer guy from this other band wants to start another band, okay? And so, we go on this vacation, okay? Okay. And little did I know at the time, but this trip to North Carolina was going to change my life forever, okay? It was, it was a fork in the road. It was a turning point for me, and I'm about to tell you why, okay? Now, the first thing I can say is that I had been on vacations before, okay? I had gone to the ocean before and all those things, but I always went With my family. This time, I was going with just my friends. Okay? And so the vibe was different. It was definitely... I wouldn't even call it a party atmosphere. But it was just a lot more loose. And a lot more fun. And I was single at the time. So I wound up spending a lot of time by myself. Which was fantastic. Because I was on the beach... Literally by myself. It was like almost like a private beach. In fact, it might have been a private beach, um, but like I said, there was nobody there, and and this is where the whole story of the water of fire or singing to the sea took place. Okay, it was when I was on that beach by myself, and I had an experience that was like I claimed in a couple of episodes back. Um, A metaphysical experience, okay? And, you know, since mentioning it a couple episodes ago, I've thought about it a lot. And I think that what I'm going to do is not really explain it in detail. One, because you probably wouldn't believe me anyway. And two, it was really kind of, like, internal. It wasn't a big booming voice from the sky or an apparition or a ghost or something like that. It was not quite that extreme, but it was palpable, it was real, and it was a turning point for me on my interior. Okay. Now, right at the same time on this vacation, while this is happening, another strange thing happened. And I'll try to be as delicate about this as I possibly can. But basically what happened was towards the end of the vacation, probably right after I had that experience, okay, that I was just telling you about, the two guys in Slow Bob kind of turned on, for no reason, uh, my cousin and I. Like their attitude all of a sudden became really condescending and negative just out of the blue and for no reason, okay? And I won't go into details about it because it was stupid, but you know, I had already been accustomed to being kind of treated that way, all right? And it wasn't always bad, but I was used to it, okay? I was in a band with these guys and, you know, sometimes you butt heads or you'd have differences of opinion or personalities clash or something, and I totally get that, okay? So I could take it, and it wasn't a problem. But when they were treating my cousin that way, that's where the problem was. And I was... I was angry, okay? I was very angry that they were being that way towards him. And that was a turning point for me. Because, you know, like I mentioned to you earlier, I was going on this trip with in the like this thought in the back of my mind that there's this other guy who can sing really well, and he's looking for a drummer, and we both like the same music. I mean, him and I went to see the Tea Party in concert together. Not only did he not hate them, but we went together to that concert and watched them. He paid to get in, you know. Um, so I'm on this vacation in this all, already in this weird kind of state of mind, having the time of my life, really, but having this really spiritually profound changing moment by myself alone out on that beach. Okay? Um, and I'm now entering into this weird kind of uh, condescending negative attitude coming from these two bandmates of mine towards me And my cousin, okay, at the same time. They were just, it was nasty. They were being nasty to us for no reason. I mean, it was out of the blue. Um, And I'm listening to this Tea Party CD. (laughs) It's like, it is hitting me like a ton of bricks, man. I mean, this album was so good. I was like, you know, comparing the Slow Bob music to the Tea Party. And I'm like, okay, here's what I'm in, and here's what I want to be doing. This is more of what I want to be doing as a drummer, okay? This is the kind of music I want to be making. Now, we went home, the vacation ended, and I didn't quit Slow Bob, okay? I didn't quit the band. But because I had a lot invested in Slow Bob, okay, just, I mean, everything. My whole life for the past three or four or five years was this band, these guys, this project, everything we're doing. So, like, we came home and I didn't quit the band or anything, but what I did do was I agreed to hook up with that singer, you know, Mort, and, uh, and and jam with him, okay, and start a new band with him. Now, the guys in Slowbod weren't digging that too much for many reasons. I, I do kind of have to say that even prior to me hooking up with him to start a new band, over the years of having jammed with them, I kind of came to the understanding that they they kind of didn't like him too much. okay? And I'm not quite sure why, because they had a history with him that I didn't. Okay, so I wasn't sure what that was about. And they never said it, okay? But it was just a feeling that I got. That the guys in Slow Bob didn't really like this guy. So when I started to form a new band with him, oh, that didn't go over well at all. I mean, you think Integrity was bad. I mean, this was like, wow, you know? But at that point, I kind of didn't care. Okay, I kind of didn't care. Because, um, quite frankly, quite frankly, um, you know, ever since that integrity thing, the relationships had gradually started to deteriorate. And by this time, they really were, you know, not doing so good. You know, we weren't as close as we used to be, you know? And um, I was kind of being. At least I, f- I feel I was being kind of treated a little bit like a second-class bandmate. You know, like um, not an equal partner anymore. And uh, a lot of the fun of jamming in that band was starting to gradually, you know, dry up. Okay. Not completely, because we still had a lot of fun and we still played a lot of great shows, but our relationships as people were really on the skids at this point. So, um, like I said, I didn't really care that they had a problem with me jamming with somebody else. Um, Now, what that meant for me was, um, you know, I was practicing in Slow Bob three nights a week, no matter what. So... Um, I had to make sure that my rehearsal schedule with this other band never interfered with that. Okay. And I went to great lengths to make sure that that did not happen. Okay. That uh, the time with Slow Bob was respected and it was honored as much as I possibly could. Okay. And I don't remember a time when that was ever breached. I don't. I could be wrong, but I don't think so. Okay. I always honored Slow Bob and my time with Slow Bob, Three nights a week, no matter what. But what that meant for me was, you know, breaking my drum set down and taking it with me <laughs> to set it up at the other practice space. You know, like, you know, the week starts on Monday. Um, I load my drums into this other band space. We practice. I break the drums down. I go to Slow Bob. Tuesday, and I set up my drums, break them down, and then set up on Wednesday, go to the other band, etc., etc., all through the week Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday and Sunday. If I had gigs, I had to work that out. And I was working, you know, 40, 50, or 60 hours a week at this other job. Okay. So, There was a stretch of time. It was probably about a year and a half or two years where, oh, yeah, it was probably about a year or a year and a half. And I was doing this five nights a week, six, seven nights a week. That was my life. Every day I worked, every day I practiced or played a gig, I didn't have time for anything else. Okay, and I didn't really mind, okay, because I loved playing music and the music that I was making with these guys was really good. It was. Slow Bob's music was great and the music with this other band was going great. Um, what can I say? You know, that's what I was doing with my life. I mean, I was serious about making music. I was not kidding around. And... So that's what it meant for me was, you know, seven nights a week, man, of, of doing this nonstop. You know, it wasn't like, uh, you know, I had a break. That was it. That was my life. And uh, that did wear thin. OK, I mean, it really did <laughs> after a while. And, you know, ultimately, when I decided to leave Slow Bob, it just made it that much easier. You know, I mean, eventually I did get two drum sets. Okay, one for each band. Um, I, you know, got smart and I worked that out, and so I had two complete drum setups uh, at two different locations. So then I didn't have to break them down anymore. I could just get in the car and go, you know, back and forth. And so that worked out really well. It was probably the only reason I was able to do it for as long as I did. Um, and uh, and I did it that way for a while. You know, I played that way for a while and uh so maybe i'll leave it there for now that's what i'll do i'll pick it up in the next episode um so for now this is mike bostwick from pipe choir records signing off and remember folks if you want to keep what you've got you've got to give it away take it easy